Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us as we continue our study of the kingdom of God. It's, we find it in the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. And we'll be in Matthew 13, verses 24 through 43 this morning. It's, it can be found on page 818 if you're using your pew Bibles. Now last week, what we saw... In the first half of Matthew 13 is that the kingdom of God comes, it arrives like a sower sowing seeds. And what that means is that the kingdom of God does not come first in power, but rather it first comes in weakness. The kingdom arrives as a hope, a promise before it comes complete and tangible. The kingdom comes first as the cross before the crown, the planting of crops, and later, the harvest. And because of the seed nature of the kingdom's arrival, those who have faith in the coming kingdom of God must wait. We must wait. Awaiting is never an easy task. This is why we can get so agitated when we're forced to wait. When you are standing in line at the grocery store and it takes longer than expected, we begin to get a little antsy, don't we? We look around. What's going on here? Why is it taking so long? We look at our watch. We think, my goodness, it's been 45 seconds. What is happening here? Man, Walmart has really fallen behind. There's never enough clerks. There's never enough stations open to check out. Our aversion to, to waiting is why we have a hard time in traffic jams. It's less about the time that you're losing sitting in traffic and more about the feeling that you're just not going anywhere. I would rather take a longer route that will add a half an hour to an hour to the time to travel to get there that's free of traffic than take a shorter one where I might have to sit in traffic for 10 or 15 minutes not going anywhere. Why? Because it's unbearable just to sit and to feel like you're not making any progress at all. And there are times when we feel like God's purposes in our own lives and in the world seem to be stuck. They don't seem to be going anywhere. God has made a promise through Jesus Christ. A promise of love, of joy, of peace, and of patience that seem to have hit a roadblock. Sin seems to be advancing, not retreating. God's promise of a kingdom where there will be justice and righteousness doesn't look to be growing. The vision of a future where every nation will hear the gospel of peace doesn't seem to be coming about. The hope of an existence where there is no pain or disease or death, where we are in the very presence of God Himself forever seems farther and farther away as we wait. I know that we have grown tired of waiting for the blessing of the kingdom to come about. We're tired of the delay. We feel that we've waited long enough. The seed has been planted. Hasn't it had enough time to mature to the point of harvest? Nevertheless, the kingdom still remains a promise. A hope of a day when all of our enemies will be defeated and we will rest from our struggle. Even as Paul promises in Romans 13, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. In our passage for this morning, 
the Lord Jesus continues to teach His disciples, those who would follow Him, the nature of the kingdom. And in particular, why it is that we must continue to wait for the kingdom to grow. And what we'll see is that we must patiently wait for the kingdom to grow so that it might reach full maturity in its extent, in its influence, and in its fruitfulness. So hear now the word of the Lord. Matthew 13, starting in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. And all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I'll open my mouth in parables. I'll utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, even as you address the disciples and even as your word has been preserved for us, we hear your voice saying, He who has ears, let him hear. We pray, O God, that you would give to us the grace of your Spirit 
that we might obey the command of Your Son, Jesus Christ, that we might truly hear these words, that we might understand, and that we might place our faith in Christ and grow into His likeness. We pray, O God, that You would keep us from distraction, that You would help us to focus our attention on Your Word, that by hearing Your Word, faith may arise in our hearts. We pray it through Christ's holy name. Amen. I feel like one of the most fascinating things that we can do now with video recordings is capture time-lapse footage of plants growing. I know that you've seen this before. You see how they have a time-lapse video that allows us to see a seed growing into a plant over a few seconds. Now, of course, we know that plants develop and grow. We knew that they had to have moved and matured to go from a seed to a sprout. We knew somehow they went from this small seed to a stalk to leaves. And we understood conceptually that a seed at some point bursts open and releases the first shoot that will break out of the soil. However, watching the process that could take days or even weeks to play out, seeing it in a matter of seconds gives you a new appreciation of the growth that is actually happening. That just because you don't see the growth happening before your eyes doesn't mean that nothing is being achieved. The first of the three parables that I want us to give our attention to this morning is that of the mustard seed where Jesus teaches this lesson about the kingdom. Namely, that we must wait for the kingdom to reach maturity so that it might grow to its full extent. That is, to its full size or reach. Look at verses 31 through 32, where Jesus shares this parable. There, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. As we see here, the mustard seed was extremely small. However, if it's planted and given time, it can grow to become a large bush or tree reaching 8 to 12 feet in height. But this process is not quick. It doesn't spring up overnight. Rather, over a period of several years, this small seed grows and develops to the point that even birds can make their home in its branches. It is a marvel of God's creation that within the small structure of a seed is all the catalyst needed to take the nutrients from the surrounding environment, to receive moisture, combine it with the energy of the sun, and to grow into a tree. In the Sequoia National Park in California, there is one of the largest trees in the world that has been named General Sherman. This sequoia is 275 feet tall and a whopping 103 feet in diameter. But what may be more impressive is that this massive tree began as a seed the size of the head of a pin. It takes 
thousands of years for a tree like General Sherman to grow. But given time, a seed that you can barely perceive when it's planted in the soil and given the right conditions can grow into a mighty wonder. And what Jesus is teaching us in this parable is that the kingdom of God The promise of complete salvation in Jesus Christ. The promise of deliverance from the brokenness of the world. The establishment of a kingdom where sin and death have no place. This kingdom begins like a small seed that is planted in the ground. And at times it grows at an imperceptible rate. However, as time goes forward, that which seemed inconsequential will come to dominate the whole world. 2,000 years ago, the extent of the kingdom was a Jewish peasant in a grave. The kingdom was a man crucified, dead, and buried. The smallest of seeds buried in the earth. But on the third day, He burst forth from the grave and He overcame death and He ascended to the right hand of God the Father and now He is reigning over His continually growing kingdom. Following the resurrection, the good news of the kingdom spread first to a handful of Jesus' followers, next to a crowd of Jews gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and then to the people of Judea and Samaria, and then it went out to the world, spreading from village to village and nation to nation. And now, 2,000 years later, the message of Jesus Christ continues to grow, drawing more and more into submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and salvation through His His precious blood. This is the way of the kingdom. It begins like a small seed, inconsequential to the world. But by the power of the resurrection, this seed broke into life and is now spreading. And we must wait for it to grow to its full reach. We must wait for it to mature to its full stature so that men and women from every nation on earth might be grafted into this kingdom. The harvest will come. But first, the kingdom must grow to reach all nations of the earth. Even as Jesus says later in the Gospel of Matthew, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Yes, it is difficult to wait. But we wait for the full blessing of the kingdom now so that more might be grafted in. So that more might be brought under the blessed reign of Jesus Christ. As it grows, And as we wait, we know that more and more are coming into the kingdom. The next parable that Jesus teaches has a similar point, but with a slightly different emphasis. You see, the mustard seed teaches us that the kingdom begins small, but it must grow in its reach. The parable of the leaven teaches us again that it begins small and hidden, 
but that it must grow in its influence or its effect before the harvest comes. Look at verse 33. There Jesus says this. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now, it is the tradition in the Weber home for my wife April to make homemade cinnamon rolls for the kids on their birthdays. To make them homemade, she has to take time to prepare them the night before. She has to get the dough ready. She has to roll it out and then put whatever goodness of cinnamon and sugar and what else she puts into the dough, rolls it back up, slices it, and then puts the rounds onto a baking sheet. And this, it only covers just a a small fraction of the baking sheet when she puts it in there. And every time I think, man, there's not going to be enough. But then it rests for the night. And the leaven that was worked into the dough begins to have its effect. And throughout the night, what seems small begins to grow and grow and grow until the next morning when we wake up, the entire pan is filled to the very edge. But this process of leavening the cinnamon rolls is not something that can be hastened. You can't force it along. It takes time for it to work throughout the whole dough. And what Jesus is teaching is that the kingdom of heaven works in this manner. It takes time for its power and its influence to reach the whole world and to have its effect. Just as it takes time for leaven to work its way through the whole lump of dough. The kingdom needs to grow larger so that more and more may come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the kingdom must also grow in its influence so that the blessed reign of Jesus Christ, so that His righteousness, justice, and goodness can affect all of the world. For the kingdom does not merely exist alongside the world as an alternate choice, but rather the kingdom exists and expands as it takes more and more ground from the enemy. The kingdom is invasive in its nature, taking more and more from the kingdom of Satan. At the end of the age, we read in the book of Revelation that Jesus will say, Behold, I make all things new. It's important we understand that Jesus doesn't say, Behold, I make all new things. Jesus isn't going to scrap everything and start all over again. He is not making all new things. Rather, He is taking that which is broken by sin, that which has fallen under the influence of the evil one, and He is bringing redemption. He is making that which has been broken new. And the mission of the kingdom is to work as leaven in the dough to affect change for good in this world. Jesus is working to redeem all things. Even as Paul says in Colossians 1, that through Him He is reconciling all things, whether on earth or or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. 
And the parable of the leaven teaches that the gospel of the kingdom is aimed at bringing all things into a reconciled relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have to wait for this process to happen. We must wait for the gospel to change lives, to change culture, to change societies, to change the very structures of human life and activity. There are times when it seems like the influence of God's word and the ethic of the kingdom is in retreat. Nevertheless, wherever the gospel has gone over time, has experienced a foretaste of the blessed reign of Jesus Christ. For historically, it has been Christians who have first cared for the sick and built hospitals, who have sought the welfare of widows, who have built orphanages, who have fed the hungry. It was Christians who sought the end of slavery and to see the reformation of the penal system. It was Christians and Christianity that stood against the absolutism of governmental power and the destructive nature of lawless societies. Christianity has been an overwhelming force for good in this world. And its ethic has given us a world that is much more humane and just than what our pagan forefathers experienced before us. But the kingdom comes as leaven. It's moving to affect the whole world. But it's not complete. And the influence of the gospel to change the world is only in part, and it's never perfect, mixed with sin, until Christ's ultimate return. It's only a foretaste of the justice and the flourishing of Christ's eternal kingdom, but it is His purpose to change and to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to Himself through Jesus Christ. And I know that there are many who have lost patience with the advance of Christ's kingdom through the gospel. You feel that the gospel is losing power in this world and is not gaining. And even within the circles of evangelicalism, there are those who view the advance of the gospel in this world and the effect that it should have on politics and our culture from two different perspectives. And for many years we've been able to exist as a unified body even though we have different views on how the gospel should affect culture and what our emphasis should be. And yet, study after study, and maybe even in your own lives, you feel the fractures that are happening within the evangelical world in which people have different opinions about politics and about the response to things like COVID, are no longer willing to fellowship with each other because they think that the gospel must advance according to their purposes and their power. But that is not how the gospel goes forward as a positive force in this world. Rather, it goes forth as leaven. The leaven is the message of Jesus Christ and salvation through Him. And that's how the culture will be changed. Not through force of arms, but rather through a declaration of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. And an open invitation to all who will come into His kingdom. Sometimes the change that the gospel brings is imperceptible. Sometimes it feels like it's in retreat. 
But the kingdom does continue to grow. It continues to move forward. And one day, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ as King. And all things, both in heaven and on earth, will be reconciled to God through His blood. But we must wait. We must wait for the dough to rise in hope that one day all things will be redeemed. The final parable of the three that we'll look at this morning is that of the wheat and the weeds. Obviously, this parable begins this section, and yet its interpretation waits until the end of the section to be given, and that's why we're covering it third. Now, in this parable, Jesus speaks of a man who sows good seed in his field, but the enemy comes and sows bad seed. This evil becomes manifest over time when weeds start popping up all over the field amongst the wheat and the servants wonder if they should go and weed the garden. But the owner of the field says that they need to wait for the wheat to mature before they try to separate the wheat from the weeds. And the two must grow up side by side. The idea that if you pull up the weeds, that the wheat along with it, will be destroyed and won't be able to come to its full place of fruitfulness. This parable is aimed at addressing the question of how evil could continue to exist within the presence of the kingdom of God. You see, the expectation of the kingdom was that when the kingdom came, that evil would be utterly destroyed. But what Jesus teaches is that there is a period of time prior to the final harvest when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan will exist side by side. This means that there is a period of time that those who are under the blessed reign of Jesus Christ must at the same time suffer under the cursed reign of evil. Christians have been delivered by the blood of Christ. We have been forgiven of our sin pardoned fully. We have been accepted into the family of God through adoption. We have an eternal home that Jesus has prepared for us. We are citizens of heaven and not of this world. Nevertheless, we must continue to sojourn in this world. We must continue to exist alongside those who reject the gospel. We must suffer under the evil reign of ungodly men and women. By way of example, The German theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, by faith, had been saved. He'd been transferred into the kingdom of God. He was under the blessed reign of Jesus Christ. However, in this life, he continued to suffer under the evil rule of Hitler and the Nazi regime. His eternal life was secure in Christ. However, his earthly life was ended by evil men. And this is the dynamic of the kingdom now. The wheat and the weeds grow up together. Listen to the way Christ interprets this parable as I read several verses. When the disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? We read in verse 37, he answered, the one who sows the seed is the son of man. Jesus himself preaching the gospel is the one who sows the seed. The field is the world, right? It's the whole world. It is is the base of the earth. 
And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Those who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Why must the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world exist alongside each other for a period of time? For the sake of fruitfulness. It takes time for the wheat to mature. It takes time for the full number of God's people to be grafted into His kingdom. Because when the day of harvest does come, there will be a separation. And those who are outside of Christ, those who are evil, will be gathered out of this world and they will enter into eternal punishment as the Lord Jesus says here. And there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. And yet, all of those who come to Christ in faith, all who repent of their sin and submit to Jesus Christ will be saved. For through Christ, sin is pardoned and righteousness is given. And the Lord is waiting. He's waiting for the full harvest to mature. He's waiting for the appointed day when the harvest will be ready and the weed and the wheat will be separated and those who are in Christ will be made perfect in righteousness. They will be free from all causes of sin. They'll be free from all law-breaking. As the text says, they will shine like the sun. For the day of harvest is when Christ returns. And the Bible tells us that when we see Him, we will be like Him. He is the first fruits of a harvest raised to everlasting life. And we who are in Christ are the great harvest that will be like our risen Lord when He returns. But we must wait for that day. And we must wait in the midst of sin and of law-breaking. We must wait alongside those who despise Christ and the message of the Gospel. We must wait alongside all the hardships, all the struggles of this world caused by the work of the evil one. And yet the promise of the kingdom is that one day, A separation will come and all who are in Christ will taste the full fruit of salvation in its fully ripened state. Why must we wait? Because the kingdom comes first as a seed. The seed is germinated. The seed has grown. Its reach, its influence, its fruitfulness has become great. And yet God's purposes are not yet fully right. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples asked the resurrected Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Right? They were anxious for the kingdom to get here in fullness. Now? Is it now? You died? You went into the grave? 
You rose again. Now are you going to end all evil? Now will you establish your kingdom? And Jesus responds with a correction and a mission that we need to hear. First, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Oh, how we try to guess. And how we write books. And how we buy books about when the end will come. But over and over and over again, when Jesus is asked about the end, he says, it's not for you to know. And so we can stop doing that while we wait. We don't need to look at our watch and think, ah, five minutes. So that's the correction. But here's the mission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We don't get to know when the kingdom will come in fullness. But we do get to know what we are called to do while we wait. We are called to go forth into this world that the gospel might expand in its reach, bringing more and more into the relationship of salvation through Jesus Christ. We are called to go into this world to expand the influence of Christ's beloved and blessed reign. And we are called to go into this world that the kingdom might grow in fruitfulness. So do not grow weary in waiting. For as we wait, this small seed is growing into a mighty wonder that will come to dominate all the earth when Christ comes again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, I confess my own behalf and on behalf of those who are gathered here, Lord, that we are a people who grow impatient easily. We feel that we have waited long enough and, Lord, we call out that your kingdom would come less for the glory of your name and more for the relief of our inconveniences and our struggles and our real hardships. And so, Lord Jesus, we call out that your kingdom would come through us as we go forth into this world with the message of the gospel. And we pray, Lord, that at the day of your return, that you will find that the field has reached its fullness of maturity. We pray this all in Christ's holy name for his honor and glory. Amen.